0: And welcome to another episode of the Screaming Bloody Oranges podcast. I am your host, John Rosenthal, editor of Invisible Oranges, here with other editor of Invisible Oranges, Ted Nuble.
1: Hey, everybody. How's it going?
0: And, uh, today, we have some special guests. We are joined by Lunar Chamber. Don't y'all introduce yourselves.
2: Hey, uh, I am Brandon, Time War Nexus in the band. Um, I do guitars, vocals, and songwriting.
3: Uh, I'm Kyle, uh, they who may not be perceived. Uh, I also do guitars, vocals, and songwriting.
4: I'm Thomas, Ether Lotus, and I play Fretless Bass.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We're, we're all really excited about your Shambolic Visions EP. So uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, I kind of wanted to start by asking like the origins of the band because Brandon and Kyle, you're obviously in a band together, but how did this come together? <clears throat>
2: um, yeah, so in 2018, um, Kyle and I were talking about doing like something a bit heavier than uh, what we're, other stuff we were working on. Um, I had been wanting to do something heavier for a while, um, than like just regular kind of tech death or black metal. So, um, we came up with the name Lunar Chamber, had some like basic ideas here and there, didn't really know what we wanted to do yet. Um, this is the short version of the story, by the way. Um, and then uh, I went overseas uh, for a couple years and within the first couple months of, uh, being in Japan, um, I kind of honed in on a, on a sound that I really wanted to do. Um, and then presented that to Kyle and then we just. Uh, started writing the EP. So that's kind of how everything started.
0: Cool. I mean, it's uh, it, It's really interesting the sound that you kind of honed in on the very Non, I mean, it still has like Western melodies and stuff But as far as like that the spheres that you're bringing are very Non-Western more spiritual not exactly what you would associate with death metal. So like what what inspired you to make this sound?
2: Um Well for myself regarding the actual musical inspiration um I knew we wanted to, I knew I wanted to take in a lot of inspiration from uh, bands like Kithilist, Demulich, Blood Incantation, like of Flame, um, Atramentus for the Doom stuff, uh, Evokin. Um, so that's kind of a general overview of the musical inspiration and then lyrically um, I wanted to do something kind of um, esoteric and and uh, different to kind of contrast with the, I guess, more western influences in the music and do like um spiritualism and mysticism and stuff like that Uh, and that came a bit later um the ideas for that were kind of present at the beginning here and there but then we really like were dead set on doing that as a lyrical theme uh towards the end when we were actually writing lyrics and stuff like that
0: it's interesting that you bring up like of flame because that's definitely the band i see y'all compared to the most like i see like hathia flame and i see cynic and, uh, I still haven't listened
4: maybe. to *Lycia Flame*. <laughs> really? Nope. I need to someday. That's news to me. Damn. Yeah,
2: you it gotta is.
0: you gotta check that out, bro.
4: Brandon, we had this conversation recently. You know that.
0: That is, that is surprising because, yeah, I mean, y'all definitely have like the vibe, like the very uh, ethereal, sometimes major key stuff going on, and very active um that's a name drop that you don't really see very often you know you see like Hathi of Flame, and then just kind of like the appalling spawn stuff they did before like what was it like seeing yourselves uh compared to such an artist like that
3: for me i thought that was sick as hell because i mean i think elven efferis is like objectively like top five death metal albums so i like being compared to top five death metal albums (laughs) yeah one thousand percent that was crazy that was
2: like pretty flattering to hear that um Obviously, huge inspiration on the sound. So um, I'm really glad that people, you know, picked up on that and you know thought of us as being in the same uh, echelon as those guys.
0: You know, I keep hearing about rumors every few years that the the like a Thay album is going to happen or something's going to happen, but nobody nobody's heard from Peter Tomanek in years. Just I hope that one day, you know. But this was this was a nice kind of like a reminder of that people can still do the sound in such a way. I mean, obviously, y'all do your own thing. But there's still that that connection, that undercurrent, which I really appreciate.
3: Yeah. If they won't do it, we will.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, man. I I hope I hope another album comes out from them, man, because that would that would shake the underground like un- unbelievably so. So, um, but hey, I mean, um, if we can carry the torch in some way, that's that's again, like I said, really flattering. So, um, yeah, we're we're just we're stoked on it.
4: Yeah, and if my parts sound like them, it's purely coincidence. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh I noticed, you know, I was I was looking through all the lyrics and stuff and uh y'all follow a rich history of titling solos. You're giving each solo its own name. So like what uh, oh, yeah. what inspired you to do this and more importantly, how did you find such ridiculous titles?
2: <laughs> um so for me, titling like titling solos goes back to like um when I first, uh, when I was first reading like carcass uh, lyrics, uh, I saw that uh, I believe uh, Bill Steer had a lot of solos that were named. Uh, and then I think also um, some necrophagous solos were named as well, I believe, in like, uh, not all of them, but I believe some of them were. Um, and then, uh, yeah, obviously, like, um, in terms of more modern influences for that as well, I know. Um, our label mates in Void Ceremony uh, do that as well. And um, a lot of, uh, you know, one of my favorite guitar players is Phil Tugaw, he does that a lot as well. I love that um, that extra layer of like uh, poetry where you can like attribute um, kind of lyrics or words or a title to a solo. I think that's really um, thought provoking, especially when you're listening to it. Um, it just gives an extra layer. So that's kind of where the inspiration comes from for me personally.
3: Yeah, Harkis and Phil Tugas, uh for me as well, Um, as far as like the ridiculous titles goes like I've listened to so much black metal that I just have a thing for super wordy ridiculous like song titles so I just wanted to incorporate that I mean you can tell that in the stage names too like everything with Lunar Chamber is like super wordy and ridiculous but it's intentional
4: (laughs) trying to pull uh, the, uh, the esotericism if that's a word to the extremes definitely a word
1: but yeah, I know it's like the last track is titled 3, and like, what happened to 1 and 2? <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so I, I kind of looked at that as uh, being, um, the, the, that's like the third main track on the EP, so that's why that's that's why that's there. Uh, and it, it kind of, because of how like grand in scale it is, um, again, another abstract idea of uh, giving it the Roman numeral to, I guess, make it uh, appear um, more larger than life, I guess.
1: Yeah, anytime you have a chance to start a song with a Roman numeral, you gotta take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there any like specific like mythologies you're kinda of digging into in these songs or is it kinda of like your own kind of like uh you know, fictional construct? Um,
2: it's kind of both. Uh so I like to start from a base of like um certain themes, vocabulary, um ideas, uh characters in like mysticism, spirituality, religion and stuff like that. Uh, and then kind of go from there and branch off into like a fictional, uh, world. So it's rooted in certain ideas in like religion and stuff like that. Uh, but it kind of goes on its own, uh, in certain areas. In o- other areas, um, it keeps touching on those like baseline concepts such as like, you know, other realms, um, calmness, meditation, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's half fictional, half, uh, kind of like uh, base, uh, Baseline talking about um, certain ideas within um, the uh, the religions and stuff like that
0: uh, You know, there there is that element of and this was something that you kind of touched upon You know the larger than life uh, the over-the-top nature of the music be it the the ridiculous vocals you do like those low cricket vocals or the the extreme shred the the bass lines that are everywhere all the time um but I understand, you know, there's also a lot of very rich songwriting for this. So do you find that techn- uh, the technicality drives the songwriter if the songwriting goes toward the technicality?
2: Um, I think we're definitely... So it, when I first started writing music, it was definitely the former. So it was definitely like, I want to make this like really technical. Um, but in, in the past, like many years, I've really tried focusing at least personally on um, song, the songwriting aspect of it and, and really trying to make a song. Uh, and then, um having certain elements within it be either technical or not, so that big up and down contrast is uh kind of inherent to the songwriting process um and that that's just for me. I know that um you know when Kyle and I write it's 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 a it's like that we we focus on the song first uh, and then um you know the technicality kind of just gets injected in based on uh, whatever part
3: we're writing yeah, um just to piggyback off of that. When I write, like, I'm never thinking about, like, oh, this should be technical, this should be this. It's just kind of whatever naturally comes out. So the technicality is just kind of, like... I just kind of... I didn't start listening to really, like, technical music until, like, a couple years ago, after I had already started writing technical music. So it's just kind of how I've always naturally written music. I'm
4: in the boat that I'm always trying to write something that I can't play. So it pushes me to become a better musician and uh just uh more familiar with my instrument and everything. Um but at the same time I, I really try and listen and think about like the parts that are going on musically if it makes sense if if like should I write something here that is like crazy and standoutish or should I just copy the guitar or should I not even copy the guitars and play something that's even more low key than what the guitars are playing. Um uh it, i kind of just uh, go by feel with the uh, writing um i just listen to parts and just something pops into my head um at the same time i don't do any of my writing with my instrument in hand i write purely through tablature and uh, uh then i go back and learn the parts on my instrument hence i always write stuff that i can't play and um uh that's part of the way that i do that and force myself to get better
0: i i take that same approach uh i use um tux guitar you know the free version of uh guitar uh, guitar pro so um i totally understand the wanting to go beyond what you can play and becoming a better musician because of that that's really cool that someone else shares that with me i uh as as a big tab guy I'm a big supporter of that
4: Mm, most people don't do that but uh for years and years i could not write bass parts that i liked to save my life and once I started doing that, it was like, Oh, okay. I, I can write things that I like.
0: Yeah. that's um, where was I going with that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny how that works with, uh, you know, as, as you become a better musician, you always want to push yourself even further. And like, how do you do that? Unless you like take it to that kind of digital extreme where you can see just how far you can go in your head and what you can type out. And then you can see how you can actually play it. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Absolutely. Uh, so you just released your uh, your debut EP, Shambolic Vibrations, I said it wrong earlier, <laughs> 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 on 20 bucks spin. And uh, what was it like releasing your first EP kind of on a, a bigger independent label like this?
2: Yeah, dude, I mean, for us, when Kyle and I were talking about like labels that we might wanna release the EP on, like last year, we were thinking like, okay, we could start out with some other ones and then work our way up to 20 bucks spin uh, in the long run as like the dream label, but the way it worked out um, was that we just got to do it on the Dream label? So, um, yeah, working with Twenty Bucks been uh, and releasing our debut EP uh, as an unknown band um, is actual dream come true stuff. Uh, so, you know, huge huge shout out to them, uh, and uh, you know, for 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 you know, uh, helping us get on, or for and you as well for helping us get on there. Uh, you know, I know that's uh. We really we really appreciate that. Um mm-hmm. that was uh that, that was super sick. Um but uh it, it's it's a dream come true for sure. Uh and uh, we just can't wait to keep working with them. It's been amazing so far.
3: When uh when I heard that Dave was interested, I kind of like flipped my shit. I was like, yo what the hell? I was like, I was getting tattooed at the time when I saw the message and I like sort of got I didn't feel anything the whole rest of the session because I was just thinking bucks minute, 20 bucks men 20 bucks
4: You should see what our uh, band chat looked like uh during uh those couple of weeks. It was just like oh, Yeah, we were freaking every out. Every other message was
1: like, holy fucking shit. Oh my god. Oh my god.
4: We were we were flipping out
2: and and uh I'm and still again flipping j- out. Y- yeah, like even even now we're just we're super stoked so yeah um just huge shout out to 20 bucks spin and um you know um you know big thanks to you as well for 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 everything that you've done for us too we appreciate it
0: Mm oh i'm happy to you know it's uh it's a great ep y'all are a good band i'm happy to help but uh it's all it's all dave i I just sent him an email (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) but uh so are you gonna take this on the road yeah
2: yeah, one thousand percent. We can't uh, we can't say anything right now, um, but we uh, we're absolutely taking this on the road, and um, we it's some pretty big, awesome stuff in store uh, for for the for the uh, live shows and and all that stuff. So um, yes, it's it's going to be yeah. taken live.
3: Mm-hmm. We can say that something is being booked currently, and yeah. it's a very 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 good lineup. So more details on that once everything solidifies, but we're all super excited about it.
0: It's gonna be great. Uh, Who do y'all have drumming for you? Can you divulge who's drumming for you right now? Because I know you had Kevin Parties on the album, but he's in France, so that's far.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, uh, maybe Thomas, you can you can kind of spearhead that one since uh, it's closest to you.
4: Oh, uh, I am in another band called Progeny. We're a local band based out of Massachusetts, and um, our drummer Andre Ferrero. He's a great guy, he's one of my really good friends, and I think he's an incredible drummer, and he is gonna be playing live for Lunar Chamber. Um, really excited uh, to uh, have him drum with us. I mean, he, he meshes with us perfectly, personality-wise, and of a really motivated individual who can absolutely handle the parts, and you know, um, it's gonna be really cool.
2: Super stoked to be working with him. Can't wait to rip those, those live shows with
0: him. Yeah, this is going to be a crazy live show. Like, y'all play so many notes, I just can't believe it.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, the preparation is real. We're, we're Like, we're going on we're going on tour uh, with uh, Tome Room. Uh, Kyle and I are going on tour for three weeks in July, and we're already practicing. Uh, while we're practicing the Tome Room set, we're already practicing the, the Lunar Chamber set. So it's it's a lot of preparation.
0: Actually, it's funny that you bring up that tour, because Ted and I were just out at a show the other night seeing your tour mates Volcandra. You put on a great show.
3: Yeah, they are very sick and very good guys, too. We're excited to uh, we're excited to have them on our tour this summer.
0: That's great. So, yeah, you're going to
3: be doing one
0: tour and then immediately another. That's that's a lot of time on the road.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a there's a good good chunk of space uh, in between. So it it, will be good for preparation. Um, But yeah, it it is definitely going to be the most amount of touring that we've done so far in one year. So that's pretty exciting
0: do you have any uh do you have any like dream places that you want to play
2: oh my god i mean the at least the two to- I mean there are so many for me personally, but the two top ones are um, Montreal Quebec where I was born uh, we're actually playing that on the tome room tour so that's checked off the list dream come true then uh, the other one would be tokyo japan um, that's the next big one because
4: obviously Japan is mine also
2: yeah lived lived there for two years uh grew and insane amount there, uh, experienced like the best years of my life so far there. So, uh, playing there for those people, uh, in the metal scene there is, is a dream. So definitely Tokyo and Montreal.
3: Yeah. I would say Tokyo and then like Reykjavik, Iceland would probably be like my two. And then we've already, we've already played Seattle with Home Room, but Seattle is like my favorite place to play. So I would love to take Lunar Chamber over there too.
4: Oh God, we got a gotta pick two now. I already said Japan. Um, yeah, Japan, Tokyo, Japan. I mean, that's that's one of my number one. Um, uh, that is my number one uh, that I would love to play live with Lunar Chamber. And I guess number two would just be a um, something that's close to home for me. Just to, so my friends can come out and stuff like that, um, and, and my parents want to <laughs> come see Lunar Chamber live at some point and everything. So uh, yeah, close to home.
3: Omaha, Nebraska, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Omaha's a pretty great place. Yeah, I know. I've i never been. I'm, that was a joke, but... Uh, <laughs> I can't,
2: no, it's going to be well, sick. I, mean, I, I think we're I'm heading there on the it. Tome Room Tour, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will say, having spent a lot of time in Omaha, Nebraska, it's a good place. Yeah. You
3: joke, but it's fun. We have good steaks. Well, <laughs> there's a very specific thing that I'm referencing that I'm not going to explain. I'll send. I'll send it to you, John, just to explain it, but okay. it's like... I don't want to get into it on this because it just, I don't think anybody would understand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, gosh, uh, do you see this as being like a consistent touring band? Do you see it kind of taking a backseat to your other projects once the cycle is over or you kind of want to achieve a balance?
2: Yeah, we definitely want to achieve a balance. Um, Kyle and I just had like an, we've had many conversations about this, but we just had like an extensive conversation about this yesterday when I was over at his place. Um, we definitely want to make sure that, uh, you know, things are balanced between uh the at least the two main touring projects that we have right now. Um so it'll it'll definitely uh play live and tour. Um but uh it just depends on how um balanced we can uh keep everything else with Tome Room and Lunar Chamber.
0: I was waiting to see if anyone else had anything to say, but cool.
3: Uh, I'll brand it at all. I can I can interject. But uh yeah. I would say like balance is like the primary thing. Um, Tomarooms like my very clear like obvious priority because that's like my brainchild. But like I'm trying to strike as much of a balance as possible.
0: Uh, you y'all spent a lot of time on this. Like I remember Kyle posting like demo videos of this like two years ago or something like that. So like what was it? What was the writing process for this? Like especially since y'all were touring and y'all were working on Room and all that stuff.
2: Um. So, like I said, we had like some ideas in 2018 that didn't really become anything because I hadn't really uh, honed in on a sound quite yet and Lunar Chamber was still kind of just like an idea. Um, but uh, once uh, I was overseas and within the first couple months, um, I started putting down a couple riffs. Um, and uh, I had sent them over to Kyle uh, and we just kept brainstorming, kept writing. Um, to be honest, uh, I think uh, only the first like half of Spirit Body was written, and then the first couple riffs of Bodhi Tree were written, uh, and that was before that, that. was all I wrote in Japan, I think, because then we were working on a lot of Tome Room stuff, and obviously I was busy studying. Um, and then we actually didn't revisit it until uh, I got back from Japan in 2020, and then during uh, during COVID we were recording the Tome Room album. And then also working on the Lunar Chamber uh, EP, so um, it was kind of sporadic. It was um, written in chunks over uh, a period of like three years or so, um, three three and a half years or so, uh, and then um, yeah, we, we recorded. Uh, I'm trying to think what you. I'm trying to think of all the all the, the timeline because the past three years have been like a blur. Um, we. Uh, we recorded at the beginning of last
3: year we started
4: recording at the beginning of last year I believe yeah yeah Yeah. I recorded January 2022 yeah so I think we 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 did as well Brandon yeah we started recording I think it was uh
2: in February or March of 2022 for guitars and then uh Thomas had had his bass done before that but the the writing and recording process was kind of sporadic like uh, across um working on everything else
0: and uh, what was recording vocals like specifically? Because there are a lot of different voices that you and Kyle both use, uh, be it like the cricket voice or the enriched, majestic, and woven voice. And you know I had to reference that. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, man. I knew someone was eventually going to mention that. I'm glad you're the first one to mention that. That's great. Um, fun fact uh, for everyone, that was actually totally uh, like just off the top of the head. I didn't even write that down. Like, I was literally just like, um, our our vocal engineer Chris uh, shout out Chris Tate um, he uh, he was just like recording and he just like kept going I had finished like whatever harsh vocal part I was doing and I just kind of like wanted to do a spoken word part there so the literally the first words that came into my head were enriched majestic and woven and they just came out that that was the that was the take it was just that one take um, so uh, that's the that's the way that happened um, but they're the three t- most typed words in our band chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you control F and hit Enrich Majestic or Woven, you'll see uh thousands of uh hits on in our in our band <laughs> chat. Um But uh yeah, um it was it was my first time doing like um like pretty much full on main vocals for a release because um in my old band proliferation I split vocal duties with um our other guy Matt or our other guitarist Matt. Uh and um on Tomer my only at, at the moment are. For Ash, I only did um, just occasional backing vocals, so it was my first time ever doing like main vocals on a release, um, and at, and growls at, uh, at that. I, I had done only pretty much um, like high screams on anything prior, so um, going in the studio, I was pretty nervous because I didn't know if I was going to be able to pull it off. Uh, but actually, it ended up being one of the best vocal uh, recording sessions uh, I had ever had. Um, so it was it was really fun. Um, just you know knocked it out in two days uh, and uh yeah uh, doing the uh predator like low predator vocals too I was also um wondering how that was gonna turn out and it turned out really great so uh, it was a great experience uh, and I'm really stoked with how the vocals came out so
3: I only showed up for the day where I was doing my backing vocals, so I wasn't present for any of what Brandon just mentioned but uh I would say mine Mine went relatively well. I was kinda of used to it from recording the Tome Room album, but I just kinda of went in there and then did my did my growls, my clean harmonies, those like super high, like almost howl vocals that you hear in like the fast part in crystal in the last song. Like that was kind of like my main contribution, I would say.
2: And then also, um, the uh, the clean vocals as well. Um that was one thing uh I didn't mention. Um I have I'd, I'd done clean vocals before, but uh, I really wanted to experiment with like layering them on, on this where they were present. Uh, so we ended up recording three or four uh, different tracks for each uh, clean part and really um, rounding out that sound with like high and low vocals, um, and it turned out great as well. I'm really stoked with how how that happened.
0: Because there there is that one moment with the clean vocals toward the end, the dun 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 that melody. And uh, there are some really rich harmonies in that. You did a really nice job. That was that was really nicely orchestrated. Thank you. Uh, what was it like writing all these different vocal parts? Because like with so many voices, there are so many options. And uh, was there something conceptual going on with like which, which voice you were using, or was it more like a feel thing?
2: Yeah, it was. It was more of a. I would say it was more of a feel thing. Um, in terms of linking it to the concept, I can't say off the top of my head that it was just that it was that it was more so a feel thing like what fit for the part underneath Um, and uh, because when I was writing the riffs um, I was imagining what vocals were going to go over them Uh, and then it was the same thing for the clean parts as well I knew that for that big part in Crystalline um, that we that I wanted to have like huge clean vocals there so um, they were definitely written to the music
0: it's always peculiar. You always hear these different approaches with vocalists where like someone uh, someone's very tied to the lyrics or someone's very tied to the riffs. So it's cool hearing like a more musician's approach to this as opposed to a vocalist's approach. Would you consider yourself uh, like a guitarist first before a vocalist or?
2: 1000% yeah, I, I love doing vocals. Um, I love singing. Um, I would say my singing is actually better than my harsh vocals. Um, harsh vocals I'm still working on, but uh, I'm definitely a guitarist first personally. <laughs>
0: Uh, was it was it going out of your comfort zone doing all this stuff then or
2: 100 percent yeah, like I said before I was I was pretty nervous um, I remember I remember talking to Kyle about it I think I was telling him like I hope it goes well I you know like because obviously you know uh, Kyle absolutely crushes all the vocals that he does so I, I was I was kind of you know nervous of whether or not I'd be able to pull it off um, and I was messaging him like, oh my god, like am I gonna be able to pull it off but um, I just went for it. Uh, and just channeled all my favorite uh, vocalists and uh, and bands and stuff, and just went for it. So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's inspiring. You know, as as someone who's done vocals before, it's so easy to fuck up, <laughs> and and then fuck up your throat doing it over and over and over again, which is what happened with the last album I did vocals on. So it's it's cool that you had such a great success with this. And, I mean, it's the the album's so impressive vocally. Like everyone talks about the guitar solos, but really, like the the vocal performance is just insane.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that a lot. Did you demo the vocals, too, or you kind of like, do you kind of like, you know, get halfway there and decide, like, I know sometimes that stuff takes play, takes shape later on in the process.
2: Yeah, so the way that I usually do vocals, and this is across all the projects that I uh, write lyrics and vocals for, um, I write the music first, uh, and then I uh, write the lyrics, and I kind of edit the lyrics around the music like as I'm listening to it. Uh, so it's kind of a simultaneous process where I'm listening to the music and like writing the lyrics and editing them with the vocal patterns that I hear. Uh, and then what I'll do is um, in like a notepad or like a text file, I'll put the timestamps for each part uh, on the finished song. Uh, and then I know that the, those sections go in those places. Uh, and, uh, but I don't record anything beforehand. I, I maybe record some ideas on my phone uh, to hear if it like sounds well. Or sounds good, like over over the part, but um, no no uh, like uh, inherent uh, sitting down with a microphone and recording into a DAW over the over the um, over the music. It's it's more so just uh, writing the lyrics and then um, just kind of like whisper uh, whisper growling to yourself with the with the music and then seeing if it fits. I feel like a lot of people do that. Um, I can't be the only one who does that. <laughs> you
3: don't want to be the angry? Yeah, I, I'm guilty of doing that. I'll add to what Brandon was saying um, about vocals. Uh, Typically, like typically when I go into the studio to track vocals, I am I approach it in like a super structured way. Like I figure out like I figure out like what the vocal patterns are, where in the song I'm doing vocals, whether it's high ground, like whether it's high vocals, low vocals or clean vocals. And if it's clean vocals, I know the melody already but for this EP I didn't know what I was doing or where I was doing anything I just kind of showed up and then me and Brandon figured it out in the studio like even like if you hear in crystalline the like cl- the melody or like the harmony t- in like the second repeat of the chorus where you hear like the in the higher register like I didn't know what that melody was going to be until we got into the studio that day
2: yeah there was definitely a spontaneity to um the the vocals uh in this for this EP in terms of like the backing vocals and then certain uh spots where there's like spoken word um it's actually the same thing with um I believe in spirit body there's a there's another spoken word part where it says or my body uh and it uh repeats um like what the harsh vocals just did before that Uh, and that was totally ad-libbed as well so um yeah what Kyle did and then some parts of what I did as well we we kind of uh were a bit spontaneous with it uh which is unlike us in some ways, but I guess that adds to the charm of the EP.
0: Uh, are you writing anything new?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can see everyone's like has like these big, big grin on our faces. Um, yeah, we're we're really deep into the writing for a full length. Uh, we only have uh, I can just say we only have one more song to finish uh, t- before um, it's done. Uh, I know a lot of people are asking about a full length. Uh, it it's one thousand percent going to happen. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's shaping up, uh, really, really, really nicely. So we only have, uh, one more song left, to left to
3: write. Yeah. New material is very, very wild too. So, uh, everybody that liked the EP just kind of get ready for us to go wacko mode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so many riffs in the, in the, uh, files that have, like, the wacko riff title like there are so many riffs <laughs> that have like wacko on top of them so that's that's how you know it's certified
0: uh that's that's the that's the new version of the mp3 dash v1 dash v1 yeah <laughs> yeah <It's>
3: wacko version <laughs> the you know... song titles are also even more ridiculous so just up and the yeah. ante with everything
4: yeah, crystalline blessed light flows from violet mountains into lunar chambers is no longer the craziest lunar chamber song title.
0: Oh shit! That's exciting. I can't
4: even remember the full title <laughs> of one of the songs.
1: Just make sure you look up like the specifications for like streaming platforms, so you don't like fuck it up and crop somewhere weird. Yeah, I think there's a limit somewhere in there. Oh, shit. If it
3: got cut off on streaming platforms, I'd honestly wear that as like a badge of honor. Yeah. I'm with I think that was so sure.
2: funny. <laughs> I wonder if that one Nile song is uh, is cut off on certain streaming platforms. Oh, jeez! Uh, to contain
0: the, Happy sp- containing to contain the... the spell, containing the
2: yeah, dude. That one is the one that I think Pirate. we all think of when we think of like super long song titles. Yeah. At least, at least in death metal, containing
4: that's the spell the that protects. Protects the bearer from he who is within the water. That's a, yeah, like yeah, what yeah. It is. I'm
0: going to look it up. I'm going to look this up. It's on ithyphallic, right?
4: Oh, yeah, like papyrus um, containing yeah, the fast. spell that protects the bearer from he who is within the water. That's my guess.
0: It is papyrus containing the spell to preserve its possessor against attacks from he who is in the water.
2: I
4: was
0: pretty yeah. close.
4: <laughs> that was
2: Forever. pretty close. For whatever reason, I thought like the word alligator or crocodile was in there somewhere, but I guess I guess oh. I was wrong. I just thought... Uh, <laughs> he, who is, he who is in with within the water could be an like alligator for, or crocodile. No, like I literally I literally thought that uh, that word <laughs> alligator or crocodile was in there, but hey, that's still sick. I, I respect
1: it. <laughs> Uh, no, they explained it somewhere. It is about an alligator. That's like what it's protecting. Oh know. shit! Okay,
2: well then maybe that's what I—that's maybe that's what yeah. I'm thinking about. I mean, every every Nile song is about an alligator, so I mean, it's yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, with no disrespect to Nile, they're one of my favorite bands. But yeah, it's awesome. Nile
4: songs are just about Brendan Fraser as the mummy. <laughs> I fucking love Nile, by Jesus. the way. Yeah, yeah. I love Nile.
0: Oh, they're great. And, uh, I definitely hear some of that influence on this EP, especially when you get uh, some of those like fourth harmonies going.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Carl Carl Sanders is one of my favorite guitar players, and uh, some of his like music theory or like lesson videos uh, online. Um, those like fourth and fifth harmonies that he mentions, especially for the uh, solos and for certain parts and certain riffs, I actually like think about that whenever um, whenever I'm doing harmonies for for solos. It's like um, there's definitely some uh, some like OG Nile influence in there as well um, for some of the faster parts, so and the harmonies as well.
0: It's it's nice hearing the the more um, abstract harmonies. I guess you get like the to to explain to our listeners who don't know what I'm saying when I say this. Perfect intervals are uh, something that you hear like a power chord, something like that. If you play guitar, yeah, that's very underutilized. Everyone likes to use third harmonies, which are prettier. So it's nice hearing something a little more exotic
2: and and another thing too um that i respect about nile as well um there's a uh, there's a song on uh, i believe i i believe it's uh black seeds of vengeance i believe it's a chapter for transforming into a snake and i never hear anyone talking about this but there's like this uh guitar or like um other middle eastern instrument in the background during one of the parts that plays a total like major key uh melody over everything else that's going on and it's like super interesting sounding and uh, like that also relates to like like Flame in a in a way as well and I don't hear people talking about that a lot they're 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 the masters of uh, harmony and like just brutal riffs and stuff like that so that influence is definitely there
0: yeah man i just i was revisiting like of Flame recently and it's it's like there's nothing like there's something like it now but for a long time there's nothing like it it was Elven just stood on its own so it's uh it's exciting to hear someone getting it right. You know? Fine, Thank I'll you, listen to them. Jeez. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, this is just a this is just a seminar for Th- Thomas to finally uh jam that record.
3: It is so good. It is I'm just gonna link good. it in the band chat now, Thomas. I'm gonna pin it yeah, in the band sure. chat. Sure.
4: and, Rich, Why, Majestic, and it or something. <laughs>
2: and, and Rich Majestic and Woven is no longer gonna be the pinned message. It's now gonna be the like Flame album. <laughs>
0: It's got to be the original master, not the remaster that Blood Music did. Way ahead of you. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That's what's up. Uh, have, have you guys like there? There was an interview that Petr tomanek or Pto from uh, like Hothia Flame did in, like 2018. That's the last time anyone's heard anything from him. I, I've been trying so hard to reach out to him. And it's just nothing.
2: No, I actually didn't know that he did an interview that uh, that recently. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I mean. Oh, granted, I haven't looked super deep into it, but I remember. I mean, obviously, on Metalum it says that you know there were like rumors in like the 2000s and t- 2010s early of like them bringing it back, but that's all I really know about it. And then um, a, a friend of mine mentioned that he had reached out to him, uh, but it was like it wasn't really clear or concise what the what the outcome was. So um, that's all I that's all I know about it. I, I actually haven't read that interview.
0: Yeah, it's it's just more of the same. Like, yeah, maybe you know. Uh, you know, I, it's just one of those things where there's a there's a band that puts out a perfect album. You want more of it, but it just doesn't happen. It's a tragic story, really.
3: Oh yeah. I'd also be fine if they just <sighs> never put out another album because they just they have a perfect discography as is. This is true. It's like it's kind of like I don't want Demilic to put out more material because they have the one flawless album and if they put out another record and it's not as good it's just gonna like kind of taint their discography
0: well you've uh, heard the 2006 sessions right yeah I was gonna no, say
3: I haven't have oh man I was wow, gonna say good.
2: I like I actually that's an instance where I actually think it would be sick if they did because those two songs are some of my favorite Demolish songs actually Yeah. Uh, they're oh, wow. so
3: sick uh, they're very good mm-hmm. I'll go I'll go, back, I'll go back and listen to them then yeah dude
2: Vanishing of emptiness and emptiness of vanishing. I believe it's the yeah, it. the, two, the two of them. Yeah, it's they're so good, man.
0: They're so groovy and nice, like and, and yeah. weird, everything that you want from a devilish song.
2: Another another huge influence on um, on us as well. Um, next to mm-hmm. uh, Catalyst, obviously, a lot of those like nasty, like um, uh, kind of more brutal, groovy, um, like Finnish style death metal parts. Um, there's a couple of them on on the on the EP. Um, there are going to be more on the uh, on the on the full length. We're oh yeah, there's more on the full length. <laughs> we're exploring we're exploring that realm a little bit more. Um, some parts we're <laughs> we're exploring every realm a little bit more. Yeah, it, it's it's like the EP, but like uh, cranked up to eleven. It's taking ev- everything and just expanding on it, um, and then also adding some new influ- uh, influences as well and some new
4: things that we haven't really done before uh, rhythmically, mm-hmm. but. Um, we actually yeah. did see some of the comments of what people were saying about what they liked and disliked about the ep and we actually ended up changing some of what we already wrote for the full length because of uh just hearing some people's responses and we talked about it and we were like yeah you know these people have some good points here about um like some of the stuff that maybe we should do a little more of or a little less of so we actually did uh listen to people
2: we're usually we're usually pretty um, uncompromising in our in our approach regarding um, feedback and stuff like that in terms of you know our vision. Uh, I know a lot of people are like that um, but this time around we we looked at it and we actually like agreed like across the board uh, with with some of the um, uh, constructive criticism that we that we saw and um, mm-hmm. we actually went back and looked at it and we're like, you know what that would actually that would actually fit the album well so um, at least for for this go around we're we're uh, we're really trying to um, make it um, just bigger and better uh, in every in every sense for the for the next release.
0: You brought up some different influences that are on the new album. What are, what are some artists who influenced uh, the album that we might not expect?
2: Man, um, so it's all the same stuff from the EP. Um, during the time I was writing some of the uh, earlier songs that are going to appear on the album. Um, I was listening to a lot more Void Ceremony, so there's a little bit of more Void Ceremony influence uh, for some parts. And then um, I was also listening to a lot of ambient music, uh, so there will be more um, a couple more ambient parts as well. Um, and other than that, it's pretty much uh, the standard um, kind of Lunar Chamber formula that's on the EP. Um, there's a little bit more emphasis on... Um, the. I don't want to spoil too much but uh in terms of there's a little bit more doom influence as well but it's it's different from the the ep is all i can say it's a little bit different
0: for our listeners who might not know about ambient music who are some artists you might recommend
2: uh for me personally um man uh i kind of discovered ambient music like i mean there there are artists that were kind of like legacy ambient artists for me uh from the past like 10 years but more recently at the time i was listening to a lot of the recommendations that blood incantation did on the amoeba music video that they did so um the uh pauline anastrom angel tears and sunlight um bernard zoledal uh gliding through the cosmophonic dome uh like just all that kind of like super esoteric new age ambient stuff i kind of like just dabbled a little bit in it just to get it um a bit of a um like a what what would, what would that be like a, um, a taste of what it is um, so that there's that as well. Uh, th- there's that but um, In terms of ambient music that I drew from that's not that um, I'm a huge fan of uh, solar fields uh, He did the two mirrors edge soundtracks uh, and those are um, two of, like my favorite soundtracks ever. So there's that uh, and then um, The electronic artist sky too high uh, Who I believe is from Japan or th- maybe they might be like masquerading as someone who's from Japan? I don't know um, but uh, they, a couple of their uh, albums as well are big influences, so it's all kind of
4: that uh, mashed together. If you want to hear some dark ambient, listen to Green-Eyed Demon, Green-Eyed Demon, That I think I mispronounced uh, the word eyed, uh, by the band Vond. Um, either you'll oh, get yeah. it or you won't get it, and if you get it, it will change your life. If you don't get it, then... You'll just turn it off in a minute.
0: (laughs) Vond is in like Mortis Vond.
4: Yeah, yeah, Mortis Vond. Yeah, yeah, Green Eyed Demon. That that album, when I listened to it in high school, it like that still has an effect on me to this day. It changed me.
2: Also, um, maybe not, maybe not entirely related, uh, but definitely influence taken in terms of uh, ambient, like soundscapes. Uh, the OG Deus Ex soundtrack from 2000. Um, that's like top tier, just absolute top tier uh, influence as well. Um, so all that kind of stuff. I- I've I've gone like deep into the ambient stuff with certain things, and then like with the uh, more new age stuff that the Blood Incantation guys were talking about. I haven't uh, dove as deep. Uh, that's more of a new thing. Um, but those are the kind of things that uh, uh, I've been listening to here and there, and that we're working with in terms of uh, influence as well.
0: Uh, is there going to be I, I know you guys are also both really into black metal uh, Both you Brandon and Kyle Do you think there's going to be more of a blackened influence on this new stuff Or do you get that all out in Tomaru?
2: So we haven't um, We haven't ruled it out uh, At the end of Bodhi Tree There's like a slight like Hint to black metal at the end of Bodhi Tree That's kind of what we wanted to throw in there for that one um, And uh, we haven't discussed If we were, we were going to do it again who knows, maybe on the new song, it might be a thing that happens uh, in, in its own way. Um, but uh, no, I would say it's not out of the question for, for certain parts, um, but uh, we definitely do get a lot of it out with Tone Room. So um, we'll see what happens.
3: Yeah. Um, I'll say, yeah, whatever whatever comes out, comes out. Uh, so I'm not gonna like intentionally be like, we should put something black y here. But I'm also not gonna be like, oh, we shouldn't do that. Um, some of the rhythm riffs that I've written to like counterpoint the ones that Brandon's written, they do have a bit of a blackened vibe to them, but there isn't like any kind of like sections in the songs yet that are like primarily more black metal. But I I would say I'd get that out of my system with Tone Room, but I can just like shit out black metal riffs all day, so I don't get it all out of my system with Tone
2: Room. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's never, there's never enough, right? So we're, we're you know, um, we're black metal fiends here uh, as well. It's not just yeah. death metal. We're, we're huge black metal fans. So, um, you know, there's always room for more.
4: I am also a big black metal fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I will say that there are some black metal influence bass parts in the new album, as in parts that I cut out and you can't hear the bass at all. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, um, yeah, I, I do love black metal, and it is the last place that I get any inspiration or influence for playing bass.
0: <laughs> it, uh, it reminds me of uh, there was this joke video that the guys from um, oh, what the hell's that band? Uh, the Austerity Program made in the 2000s, where they had made a guitar nut, and uh, if you look in the back, there's a walnut. And uh it, it turns everything into black metal. So like vocals st- start sound like nah! and uh like the guitar turns into like a tin can, but when they plug the bass into it, it completely cuts out. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. I'll have to i to send you guys that video. It should be on YouTube, but it is it is absolutely hysterical.
3: That sounds like half the music I listen to day to day. Half the shit half the shit that me and you talk about, John. <laughs> To be honest,
2: though, one thing that does come to mind, <clears throat> I maybe cor- correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, because I still haven't checked it out. I know uh, Mortal Sin for a black metal listener. I haven't uh, Jen Mortuary Drape yet. Uh, don't they oh. have like a big black uh, bass presence in? Uh,
0: yes. In, yeah. Uh, what, is, yeah. What,
2: what is that album? Tolling thirteen nails or something.
0: All their albums have massive bass yeah. presence. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Al- so that's yeah. an
4: exception. That's an exception to the rule. I was like, uh, that. Well, that's off. Has some really fucking sick bass. Like, an arrow yeah. in heart. The fucking bass at the start of that. Jesus Christ, that kills you. Yeah,
3: that's that's a great album.
0: I was just listening to that. I definitely want. I
3: definitely listen to all the witches dance and then just like go from there. Curtain wall.
4: Curtain wall for bass parts. Walsh, Egypt S, dude. Oh, that's the that's, that's the uh,
2: that's the record you were talking about when we were in Philly,
4: dude. The they they are the yeah. funnest band on earth.
0: It's <laughs> like um, Rob black metal, Corpaclani. <laughs>
4: hey,
2: I, I'm interested. That sounds that sounds sick. Um, it is but, seriously
4: uh, the funnest time you'll ever have listening to music.
2: But unless um, you're no. Kyle,
4: because he doesn't like them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I know <laughs> I. I know that uh, Mortuary Drape, I guess I, now it's confirmed, has that bass presence. Um, another, another black metal band that uh, has bass that I did latch onto um, was a band that uh, Kyle put me onto, which was a band called Nipahalan. Uh, and I remember uh, yeah. a couple of the demos having, um, or I don't know if it's a couple of demos, but one of the demos, uh, for sure, had some like pretty sick bass parts, so. Um, yeah, that
3: self-titled demo from like 2016.
2: Yeah, that and I think uh, the one that I am most familiar with is, um, is it e Its Comp.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, the seven-inch. Yeah, that that has some sick bass lines on it. So um, I'm, there, there, there's I'm definitely into into bass in black metal. But that's that's funny that that pedal that they made had no bass. <laughs> that's crazy.
4: I'll continue I, listening to tech death and Pro, uh, progressive death metal for my bass influence.
0: There are some great bass players in black metal. Like I was just hanging out with Skull from Ulver, and like that guy, like Zenda, Ulver, Arcturus, like all great bass lines
4: yeah I, you know i was just joking more but um no. <laughs> I, like all all of my inspiration influence nowadays comes from uh other uh progressive death metal bands or tech death bands like when it comes to my bass playing um so that's where i'm gonna keep going for now
0: where, uh, where are some of your favorite bassists
4: your own paul tesling my number one aaron McSporin, is right up there uh for me too um I really love Erlen Kaspersen. Um, Of course, Forrest, um, uh, Legendary. Uh, uh, Some bassists that aren't metal that I absolutely love, though. Um, uh, I've always really loved uh, Yves Carbone's bass playing. Uh, Sean Bowden, Ido Castro. Um, uh, And then, uh, of course, uh, Chaos from Unexpected and Von Dogma 1. That's another metal bassist, but I I meant to mention him. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've never been interested in bass players that, um, just kind of lay it down and play in the pocket, air quotes. Um, in fact, uh, in the pocket is, uh, that's my three least favorite words on earth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, uh, I just, uh, I've just always, uh, I've always liked a bassist that really... Um, like they ignore the word bass and just play an instrument that has its own place in the music and does its own thing. Of just, um, I don't like that whole rule of uh, um, the supporting role or whatever. I think every instrument needs its own, own, uh, just loud voice in the music. And so those are the sort of basses that I like that really go and stand out and do their own thing and uh, add to the music in that way.
0: Fun that you referenced, Jean, from um, Nuclear Rabbit. That was a really yes. early one for me. That was a really early band for me. That's well, that some so, ridiculous bass playing.
4: Yeah, here's a lesser known fact. Uh, um, so in high school for my senior thesis project, uh, um, with a, I got an internship with a local luthier, his name was Dan Collins of Metal Art Guitars. He built acoustic guitars. And uh, um, with me designing everything and him doing the woodworking, uh, uh, we built a 10 string bass, um, which uh, I still have. I played it in my band Vanquisher. Um, and uh, uh, I was just so influenced uh, by Scott Plummer from Veramia, Jean Bowden from Nuclear Rabbit, uh, Chaos from Unexpect, uh, Ido Castro from... You know Castro. <laughs> Um, uh, Yves Garbone. I was just so influenced by those extended range basses uh, back in high school. Um, and that's what I wanted my thing to be, too. I wanted to play uh, um, uh, just one of those crazy huge basses with huge range and everything. And 10-string, uh, it's it's, uh, it's fun, And but the problem is it's way too heavy because I built it yes. all out of Purple Heart and Yellow Heart. Uh, so it's choose, just oh, choose, like the two densest woods ever. The uh, this is, this is what I always say to people. People say that... Some people say that Warwick basses are unplayably heavy. That you cannot play a Warwick bass because it is unplayably heavy. My, I have owned four Warwick basses, the heaviest one being 13 pounds, which was a six-string fretted bass. My 10-string bass weighs 26 pounds. <laughs> Double the weight of my heaviest Warwick. That Dude. thing... <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot play it for extended periods of time because the neck dive is so insane too that just all of that weight goes on my left wrist the entire time that I'm holding Ugh. the bass. Up. So it's unfortunate because it's it's actually a fun instrument to play and you know just the uh, it has 36 frets too. Literally, you can't. There's oh, nothing you can't do on the thing. But um, I also don't play fretted instruments anymore so, and spreaded. But I'll well, pretty soon. And by pretty soon, as in it's being shipped to me this week, be playing a seven-string fretless from here on out. So still going with that Ooh. extended range. Um, uh, I guess I can say this because uh, um, it'll uh, this will probably air after it's public. But uh, I got an endorsement with MG Bass Guitars back in January, and uh, Mauricio Costa, the uh, the main guy behind uh, MG Bass Guitars, the luthier, founder, owner, everything. Uh, I've worked with him at, um, since January to design what, in my opinion, will be the most perfect base for me, It's going to be a seven-string uh, fretless, going to have uh, um, over 30 fret positions, um, and uh, I'm just headless, super excited about it. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, I can't play any yeah. of the parts that I've written for Lunar Chamber full length because they're all written for a seven-string.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Thomas get- mentioned thomas mentioned headless so uh when you uh when lunar chamber enters the live circuit in the ball <laughs> oh god i didn't uh, think about this <laughs> we, we'll all have we'll all have headless instruments so <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome yeah
1: he has been talking to andrew from rip to because he's all about that shit oh yeah yeah
2: <laughs> yeah man it just hey, it just goes to show you that like it doesn't matter what the instrument i mean at a certain point it does but it doesn't generally matter what the instrument looks like as long as it's sick, I mean.
4: I think
3: Headless Guitars look sick as fuck.
4: Oh, this trust is... me, I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about how I wanted this custom bass to look.
3: <laughs> oh, no, yeah, of course.
4: So, uh, yeah, I've gotten pictures of it and boy, is it the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So nice. excited.
0: That's great, man. Congratulations on the sponsorship, too.
4: Thank you. Thank you, man. Very validating. I didn't think that I deserved it, and I still don't know if I deserve it, but I have it. So it's cool.
2: You absolutely do, bro.
4: (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, I've been keeping you guys for about an hour. I don't want to keep you any longer because I know it's later there than it is here. But um, I just kind of want to leave the door open for y'all. If there's anything that you want to say about Lunar Chamber, about Shabalik Vibrations, about the new album that we haven't covered thus far, uh, the ball's in your court.
2: Um. Yeah, uh just huge thanks to uh to you both for for having us. Um we love doing stuff like this. So, um thank you for having us and uh, you know, thank you for everything that you've done for us so far. Um stoked to keep, you know, working with you on on things in the future. Um regarding Lunar Chamber, um yeah, full-length album is uh is happening. Um so we're really excited about that. And uh we will be playing live. Um, expect uh, Hopefully some announcements on that within the coming months. Um, I would like hint at it in like a cheeky way, but uh, I, I can't think of any way to uh, hint at it right now. So um...
4: <laughs> I can think of one way, Louis
3: Vuitton.
2: Oh yeah, I was going to say Louis Vuitton, and I'll leave people <laughs> to, to speculate on what uh, Louis Vuitton stands for. But uh...
3: the, the other band has been not so subtly hinting at it on no, uh, not Instagram. At all. Like not I, subtle at all, so it's like it's not hard to figure out if you follow yeah, the other band. A, there's
4: there was kind of like a story a, posted on Instagram that spoiled a bunch of stuff, and uh, that's that's long gone. But back in back in March, there was a story that was posted by the other band, and I was like, "Oh, is are we? Is this public?"
2: <laughs> it's kind it's kind of like a, at this point it's kind of like a "if you know, you know" kind of thing. So we'll leave you with uh, Louis Vuitton. That's kind of the code word right now. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're stoked to keep going with this band, um, you know, make it all work with everything else we have going on, uh, f- rip our first live shows, keep working with 20 Bucks Spin, keep doing music, do the new album and everything. So yeah, just thanks to everyone for listening and um, supporting us thus far. The response has been extremely flattering and, and just uh, a dream come true. So um, yeah, just thank you, everyone.
3: In yeah, awesome, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you it's, it's
4: so great working with Brandon and Kyle they're, they're my two best friends And I am eternally honored And eternally humbled to be working with them And it feels great Writing on their coattails nah,
3: no. You're not writing Dude nah. everybody's talking about you In the reviews, you're not writing anybody's coattails
4: Nah you rip
2: me we, we love working with
4: you <laughs> I love you guys Seriously, love
0: you guys Love you too bro Tender moments on the Screaming Bloody Oranges podcast. <laughs> well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of the Screaming Bloody Oranges podcast. Thank you to Lunar Chamber for, uh, for joining us this week. And we will be back in two weeks.
2: Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Screaming Bloody Oranges, the Invisible Oranges podcast, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and other streaming services. We'll make a post on our website at www.invisibleoranges.com to accompany the release of each episode. Visit us anytime for more in-depth heavy metal coverage that goes a step above and
1: beyond.